then here we are. The end of chapter 7 of the book of Matthew. Yep. The end of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, as you get pages flipped and turned and, and where you need to be, um, I want you to think, if you, if you remember back when we started this sermon back in September, or if in your own reading you remember the beginning of it, the, the setting behind this, after Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River, he went up to the, the area of Galilee and he was traveling around, he was preaching the synagogues and, and he was uh, healing people of various ailments and diseases and, and people started coming out to see him. They started coming out to hear this rabbi teach. And part of the reason that they came wasn't just because he was healing people or people were being healed after he preached, but because he was teaching with authority. He was teaching in a different way. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, when we get to the end of chapter 7, the very last couple of verses. But uh, right now, I'm going to invite you all to stand with me as I read chapter 7, verses uh, 24 through the end of the chapter. This is a very, very familiar passage. I'd like to think everybody's probably heard it a couple hundred times by now. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Let's pray. Father, as we look once again at a passage that is very, very, very familiar, help us to set aside our preconceived notions, our uh, previous thoughts on this passage. Help us to look at it with new eyes. Help us to look at the wisdom that you have for us to gain today. Uh, Father, most of all, help us to see how this passage helps us to conform to the image of Christ as you've commanded us to do in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. So, in what I consider to be typical Jesus style, right, he closes out this sermon with a parable. Because that's what Jesus does, right? He teaches in parables. And this, this particular parable is a simile, if you're one of those English nuts. Uh, it's a comparison of two things with the use of a linking word such as like or as. So there's your English lesson for this week. Okay, They say you're supposed to learn something new every day. There you go. Um, and, and what Jesus says, he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Jesus could have said, Everyone who hears my words and does them is wise. He could have said that, but he didn't stop there. He, he stopped, or he didn't stop rather, because there could have been some 
possibility of misunderstanding what Jesus was talking about. The, the message of the gospel is not a list of do's and don'ts. The message that Jesus is teaching here is not a list of do's and don'ts. The things that he's talking about are principles and applications for life. One of the problems that the scribes and the Pharisees had was they looked at God's law as a strict list of do this, don't do this, and if it's not listed there, it doesn't matter. And that was part of the problem that when Jesus addressed the, the, <laughs> the teaching, you've heard that it was written, do not murder. Because in the eyes of the scribes and the Pharisees, as long as you don't kill somebody, you're okay, right? But what did Jesus say? If you hate your brother unjustly, if you're angry with someone for no reason, if you call someone a fool unjustifiably, then you're subject to judgment. The, the scribes and the Pharisees would have said, when God said don't commit adultery, he means don't commit adultery. So long as you don't cross that line, you're okay. And see, that's the difference between the gospel and the law. Jesus' teaching is more than just a list of do this, don't do that. So he didn't say, if you hear my words and do them, you're wise. Because that's what the scribes and the Pharisees would have said. This is my teaching, follow it. That's wisdom. Instead, he says, it's like somebody who's going to build their house on a rock. Now, this comparison, as many times as I have heard this parable, we've been down here now for 12 years on the coast. In September, it'll be 13 years. And this isn't our first time down here on the coast. We were down here for tech school back in 92. I was down here for another class in 2001, another class in 2002, another class or seminar in 2003, and then in the beginning of 2004. Biloxi really is my second home. Well, that's my first home because I bought a house. And all the times that I've heard this parable, I never really understood it until I bought a house down here. Because where else are you going to find houses built on rocks and houses built on sand? Because that's the Gulf Coast, right? We have sand and we have rocks. And, and this parable really makes sense to me, you know, especially in the context of this weekend where as we were finishing up Sunday school, it started torrential downpour and the wind's blowing against the, the front windows. And this really makes a lot of sense. And this erosion that goes on of the sand makes sense. Back on the, the first, Sunday the first and, and uh, Monday and, and Tuesday, Tuesday morning, um, Steph and I stayed at a bed and breakfast downtown Gulfport. We had to drive there from Biloxi because we had to go back and get all of our stuff after church. And as I was driving down Highway 90, it had been raining really, really, really bad on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, if you all remember that. You know what the hazard was on Highway 90? It was sand. It wasn't the water. I mean, there were some pretty good puddles out there along <laughs> Highway 90, but the problem was all the sand that had washed off of those sloped yards that are right up along the highway and those big empty lots where there used to be houses. Thank you, Katrina, right? All that sand washed into the road. There were a couple of places where I got some airtime in that little car of mine. 
because I was driving 45, 50 miles an hour trying to keep from getting run over because it's a little car, and I hit a sandbar that was 18 inches high. I mean, that, that'll take that little car for a little ride. This picture makes sense to us down here, probably more so than any place I've ever lived. And it certainly didn't have a sand problem up in the hills. That just wasn't a problem. Um, so, you know, this, this idea of a house being built on a rock, uh, it's not a hard concept. It's, it's easy for us to wrap our heads around. My house was built in the, the late 60s-ish, 64, okay, early 60s. She pays attention to details, I do not. So that means it went through Camille, and it went through Katrina, and all the little hurricanes in between, and since. And you want to know how much my house has moved? None. None. Zero, it's still sitting in the same place. It was it, it, All the wind, all the rain, all the storm. There was no flooding in the house. The roof got ripped off. But the house is still there. And that's what Jesus says. A person who does what I say, and it's not just the list of do's and don'ts, but the principles, the extension into life. What does it mean to not commit adultery? Watch your eyes. Watch your mind. You know, let me, let me ask you this question. Guys, uh, I'll particularly pick on the men in the audience. Is it possible for a blind man to struggle, a person who's been born blind, by the way, to struggle with lust? Sure is. So it's not just a thing of watch where you look, because the guy who's born blind still has the same problems, Right? So is Jesus exempting the blind man? No. He's giving a principle there for life. It's what goes on in the head, what goes on in the heart that causes the problem. You may be the sweetest, most kind-hearted, easy-dispositioned person until you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and puts you in a ditch. And you're going to say some of the nastiest things. Jesus says it's the attitude of the heart. So this, this picture of building the house on the rock is, is a person who models their life after what Jesus is teaching, who's, who takes those principles, those, those things that he said, and they lay them as a foundation, as a slab. You know, there's a lot of houses down here that aren't built on slabs. right? If, if you want to see a couple of the examples I'm talking about, go drive down three rivers right here between uh, Klein Road and Dito. And on the left-hand side, there's a couple of houses that are not built on slabs. They're, they're built on blocks. And if you look at the siding on the house, you will notice that the siding doesn't run horizontally. It runs kind of diagonally because the entire house is shifted from where the house is settled on those blocks. So, so Jesus' comparison there is the person who builds their life around his words, his teaching, the rest of Scripture. By the way, let me, let me pause there for just a second. Um, please do not be one of those people who discounts everything in the Bible that's not written in red. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen the red-letter Bibles? There are people out there who will take everything out of the Bible except for the red words. The red stuff's what's important. 
No, the whole thing is what's important. Because all of Scripture, as the writer of Hebrews says, I'm sorry, as the writer, uh, as Paul wrote in, in his letter to Timothy, all of Scripture is what? God breathed, right? Given by inspiration of God. It's all profitable for teaching and for reproof and, and so on, for learning how to live in righteousness, right? So when Jesus says the things that I've taught, he's not just talking about this sermon. He's talking about all of God's Word. It's like building that foundation for your house. When you build a foundation for a house, what do you do? I've never built a house. I've lived in them. What's one of the first things that you do when you build a foundation for a house? Those of you that have done such a thing. You dig. Why do you got to dig? To get to solid ground underneath it, right? So that your foundation doesn't have hollow spots built under it. Jesus' word is not going to give us hollow spots. And, and now look at this. In verse 25, Jesus says, The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on a rock. Life happens, right? The rains fell. You lost your job. The winds blew. Your wife left you. The floods came. Terminal cancer. Whatever the case may be, it's going to happen. Life is going to come at us. But Jesus says, if you build your house on that foundation, if you model your life after the stuff that is taught in God's Word, what happens? The house stands. Your house is going to stand. The, the life is going to stand. You're not going to be blown away by the winds of life. No matter what smashes up against it, it's not going to collapse. But he says the one who disregards his Word doesn't stand up to the storm. Well, two and a half, three days ago now, we saw people who built their house on the sand protesting, breaking windows out, setting cars on fire because life wasn't going their way, because they disagreed with what was happening. In some cases, just because they had an opportunity to go destroy things. Yeah. We see it in the prison system where people have placed their hope in drugs and in the sale of drugs and in prostitution and theft and embezzlement and all of those other things that put people in prison. They put all their hope in that. They build their house on that. And when the storm comes, what happens? It's washed away. It's empty. It's gone. You're left with an empty lot. They have no foundation. So just like those empty lots along Highway 90, the storms just wash everything away. What about the wealthy? What about the powerful? What about the famous? They don't seem to have these kinds of problems, right? Yeah, they do. They just have a bigger pile of sand that everything's built on. 
I'm serious. Their storms have to be a little bit bigger in order to wash away what's there, but it's going to happen. Think about the number of movie stars who wind up dead because of substance abuse. Right? The number of times you hear this actor, this actress has checked themselves into rehab for the 27th time. Right? Where's their hope built? It's on the sand. Athletes who go bankrupt after they retire. This blows my mind. Okay? There are football players out there who make more money than I have made in 24 years of government service. And they make it in one football season. And when they retire, at about the same age that I retired from the military at, within one year, they're bankrupt. How? Because they've built their house on the sand. Because they put all their faith and their trust and their hope in that wealth. And they, they, it's like using the paper money to build the foundation with. What happens to paper when it gets wet? It decays and it rots. It's not good for anything. Jesus says where the moth eats and the rust destroys, right? It's worthless. Powerful executives whose families have left because they sacrificed their family in order to be an executive. Millionaires who are on their third, fourth, fifth, seventeenth marriage. Their lives are eroding. The storms of life are pounding. They just have a bigger pile of sand. But it's washing away. There's a difference between a life that's built on the principles of Scripture and a life that's built on everything that the world says is good. And that's Jesus' point here. Without the Word of God being active and present in your life, all of that stuff means nothing. But if you build your life on the rock, you will withstand the storms of life. And those storms will come. Now, I want you to understand something very, very closely. I'm not saying that if you build your house on the the rock, then your house is going to be immaculate. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said the storms came, your house is going to stand. Right? Your windows might be broken out. Your roof may be torn off. The siding's all gone. You might have nothing left but a frame on that foundation, but it's there. Because sometimes the storms of life do that. What did Job have left? He had himself and his wife and his four buddies who kept telling him that it was his fault. The rain will fall, the floods will come, and Jesus promises that the house will stand. But he doesn't say that the damage will be minimal. We have a lot of stuff that goes on in life. And I'm, I'm kind of glad Jesus didn't address this right here. But why do the storms of life come? Why do the rains fall and the, and the floods rise and the winds blow against the house? Ultimately. But let's be honest. Most of those storms are caused by our own actions. Most of those storms of life are caused by what we do. Or, sometimes, they're caused because of the sinfulness of somebody else. Right? I don't know anybody who signed up. You know, there's not a sign-up sheet out there. Who wants to get hit by the next drunk driver? 
That, that's not there. But sometimes the storms of life are exactly that. You get hit by a drunk driver, now you're paralyzed. Or you lost a family member, right? But that foundation is still there. That house is still there. No matter what buffets against it. A couple of characteristics about these storms. Some of them are very destructive. And most of them leave a big mess in the aftermath. See, Jesus doesn't talk, right here, Jesus doesn't talk about that. Why, is it, why do you think Jesus didn't talk about that? Remember who his audience is made up of. For the most part, probably 80% of the people who are gathered around on this hillside to listen to this new up-and-coming teacher teach, probably the majority of them are just there to hear a good sermon. Just like about 80% of people who are in churches across the United States today. Why are they at church? Well, because that's what they do on Sunday. Because they got a really dynamic preacher and he preaches some really good sermons. But then there was a core group of people who were sitting at Jesus' feet listening to have the word of God change them. So Jesus isn't teaching all of the application here. He's teaching very small, very simple, very elementary What does the Christian life look like? Everything that I've just said. If you want to know more, follow me. If you want to know more, listen to the next sermon. If you want to know more, live your life this way and listen to the things that I've said. See how it plays out in your life. But when we have this messiness, how many of y'all were down here for Katrina? Okay, that's what I thought. How many of you helped mud out a house after Katrina? Mud outs are nasty. Nasty, nasty, nasty. The one house I had to go help mud out, one of my coworkers, that inside their front door, immediately to the right in their entry hallway, there was a bathroom. The storm surge came up so fast and with so much power that it flushed the sewer system in St. Martin completely out. And I think about half of it came through the commode in that bathroom. Because there was stuff all over inside that house. The ceiling, the walls, it was a mess. The house stood. The house was intact. There was some damage to the bricks on the outside where the wind had blown enough that it, it kind of twisted the house a little bit, but it was intact. Even the roof was intact. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. There wasn't even any shingles missing. The roof was in great shape, but there was a mess. And by the time we spent 12 hours at that house, everything from the carpet to the sheetrock around the top of the wall was outside in the front yard. See, when those storms hit and it makes a mess, Jesus doesn't say this here. He says it elsewhere. The whole purpose of the church is to come along and help with the mess. That's what we're supposed to do. If you, if you look at the things that he taught in the sermon, he says that. You just got to be able to add two and two together. 
But, you know, when we have to help people with their mess, we get dirty too. And that's part of the Christian life. That's part of the the life that Jesus calls us to, is that we have to sometimes step into the aftermath of that storm. And, you know, sometimes it's not a believer whose house has been washed away. It's not a believer who's got nothing left. It's an unbeliever who built their house on the sand. And we still have to step into that mess. And we have to offer them the hope that we have. We have to offer them the gift that Jesus is offering here. That's the Christian life. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, this brings us to verses 28 and 29. I, I, I like these verses so much I had them printed in the bulletin this morning. When Jesus finished teaching... The crowds were astonished because he was teaching them as one who had authority, not like the scribes. That statement, that, that not like the scribes, that really ought to make your head just explode. Because if there was anybody who knew the text of Scripture, it was the scribes. Because their job was to copy the Scriptures. Their job was to know what the Word of God said. But here's the deal. When they would teach the Scriptures, no, it wasn't that. They taught with uncertainty. Well, you know, if the passage is not really black and white, cut and dried, we're not 100% sure what God meant when He said, blah. It could be this, it could be that. Jesus doesn't waffle. Jesus is teaching with authority. He's not couching his interpretations with uncertainty. He didn't, nowhere in any of Jesus' teaching did he say, well, you know, the rabbi such and such wrote 200 years ago that this particular passage meant blah, blah, blah. He didn't say the Pharisees agree that this is what this passage means. Let, let me read some of these, just to, to jog your memory here. You've heard that it was said, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who's angry with a brother is liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to hell of fire. You've heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, you look at a woman with lustful intent, you've already done it. So don't. You see the difference in Jesus' teaching? There's authority there. There's confidence there. There's, it's almost like he knew what God meant in his word. Huh, how about that? Because he did. Because Jesus is the word. He's the Word made flesh. So when He is teaching this, there is no uncertainty. Jesus wasn't like the other rabbis. He wasn't like the other teachers. You ever had somebody tell you that Jesus was nothing more than a good teacher? He was way more than a good teacher. 
Scripture testifies. He was more than a good teacher. He taught with authority. Because he knew what God meant. And yet, the majority of the people who hear his message will say, that was a really good sermon. Now let's go get lunch. It does not make an impact in their life. It doesn't change the way they talk to people. It doesn't change the way they interact with people. And I hear a lot of I hear a lot of Christians Well, I'm just telling them the truth. I'm just telling them what God's word says. There's a problem when we apply a filter to God's word, and that's what we're doing when we say that. If you look at the book of Galatians, Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit. He tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. The first thing listed under the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? The next thing is joy. Joy is the opposite of bitterness, by the way. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, what do those apply to? What what is goodness and gentleness and kindness? What do those apply to? How do we interact with other people? So if you really are a spirit-filled believer, if you're a person who's placed their faith and trust in the in the sacrifice of Christ, if you are a Christian, then you ought to have love in your life. Love means wanting the ultimate good for whoever you're dealing with, right? But you also ought to have joy. I I spend an awful lot of time on the internet. In part because of my vocation, in part just because I'm part of that generation and I'm attached to my phone 90% of the time. And I see a lot of Christians who are bitter. And I see them on both sides of the political fence. I see them on both sides, be it conservative or liberal. I see it in all denominations. Bitterness and anger and harshness and strife. Now, if I listen to what Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, Well, that doesn't really line up doing them with being bitter and harsh and angry and hateful. And there's a difference in the way our life ought to work, right? But when we leave the words of Jesus, do we we just give him a thumbs up because the message made us feel good? Or do we let it change who we are and how we operate? There is nothing about this that is easy. There is nothing about this that does not require constant 
and deliberate change in the way we deal with people. It's not about being eloquent. Paul himself says, I I didn't come to you with eloquent words. It's not about being flowery in speech. It's not about sugarcoating things. But it's about taking what Jesus said and listening to it. And perhaps I can put it the best, when, when Jesus was asked by people what they needed to do, he told them they needed to die to themselves. And that's what it means to build your house on the rock. Because the only thing I have to contribute is sin and selfishness. But if I live the way Jesus told me to live, then no matter what happens, I'm going to be able to stand. And people are going to notice. They're going to see that difference. So please, 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 build your house on the rock. Listen to what Jesus says and do it.